Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there Steve. How you doing? And today we are hitting the books uh, with Evan Winters' The Rage of Dragons. Apparently book one in the Burning series. But before we get into that, uh, you've got some kind of important news there for everyone. Um, in celebration of writing this book. Of reading this book, I made Mafe tonight. Oh, <laughs> I, I was thinking. I was thinking more about your your musical, your rekindled oh. musical career. But. Oh yeah, well, such as it is, uh, I learned this this weekend that old people love jazz. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so hey, Steve, what's your thoughts on jazz? <laughs> I love jazz. There we uh, go. No, so I have a I have a, a combo where I'm a part of. It's a three piece, and uh, we're called the Standard Deviants for some reason. No. And we had a paying our first paying gig was this weekend. It was two shows in Middleborough, Massachusetts, at an art show at a church, and uh, we we did fairly well we had pretty good crowd the first on the night the first night and then the second day was like it was the day but uh we we played the the coast the church loved us and one of the patrons or or people there runs a um runs the concert series for a theater community theater and she wants us to play at her community theater so there you go standard deviant so uh yeah so uh, it's who's because the, who's Adam, the mathematician? Well, Adam's wife is a statistician. Ah, actually. statistics puns. Gotta love them. Uh, yeah. So, so the Rage of Dragons. I, I sorry, I don't have any news. Uh, I read I read a book this week. <laughs> uh, he, Adam did say that if we record an album, he wants to call it. Um, standards and deviations and i said and if we have an outtakes album we can call it standards and practices Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. yep old people love jazz old people puns. love jazz <laughs> and, and puns and puns yeah all right so yep uh evan i will say oh, there's nothing Nothing like watching octogenarians and septuagenarians uh, shaking their hineys while you're playing like a funked up version of uh, standard jazz pieces. Ah, so you're doing like the Great American Songbook type of thing? Uh, at that kind game? Of, you have to at some, you know, we everyone has a real book, so yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, we, we do a version of... Um, well, you needn't buy Thelonious Monk, and we just make it into a like a funk shuffle kind of thing. Oh, okay. Groovy, groovy man. I was trying to pronounce Thelonious Monk the way Wesley does, but I really can't. Uh, what incorrectly? <laughs> yes. Thelonious. <laughs> All right, it's it, so, yeah, There we go. It's pronounced like felonious. It's right. not though. Fel <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Rage of Dragons. Rage of Dragons. Now that we've had our, our jazz and pun-filled extravaganza. <clears throat> Rage of Dragons is a fantasy novel. Uh, a doorstop of a fantasy novel, I say, as I'm holding my physical copy in my hand. Oh, you have a physical copy. Yeah, I have a physical copy. You can, like, uh, make uh, make some bulk up. That's right. I, that. I, I, I had a couple of protein shakes at uh, the prologue, <laughs> and uh, by the time I was done, I had made some gains. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the E version is, like, almost 400 pages long, and it's... These are usually shorter than printed versions. The physical copy is 523 pages. Good um, God almighty. <laughs> Great Gugamuga. That does not count the glossary or the uh, special oh, features in the back. I don't have a glossary or special features. Oh, well, there you go. There's a benefit to the physical copy. It does have a uh, glossary uh, that is uh, three, four, about five pages of glossary with all the uh, terminology that gets thrown around in this book. What's the special features like? Uh, the special features is, looks like the first chapter or the prologue of the uh, second book, a Q&A oh, with okay. Evan Winter, uh, an excerpt from uh, a book from another author uh, called The Wolf of Orin Yarrow, Chronicles of the Bitch Queen, book one. Damn. The yeah. bitch queen. The bitch queen. Apparently, it's werewolves that illusion. Just kidding. Yes, I guess. Uh, I guess the bitch queen would be a werewolf thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I was just visited by my wife Ryan while I was saying <laughs> the bitch queen. So, <laughs> well, somebody's sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> Fortunately, she brought the dog with her, Sally, who is the real bitch queen. That's right. Or it used to be before the operation. Ah. <laughs> All right. So, Rage of Dragons is an African fantasy setting, or Africanish fantasy setting. Yeah, it's like Afrocentric yeah. fantasy. Um, and I remember talking to you in the chat that I saw a comparison of the game of uh, to a Game of Thrones, and I remember and I saw where I saw it. It's on the back of the fucking book. What? <laughs> game of okay. Thrones meets Gladiator. And who said that? Uh, it's in the actual like back of the book blurb. It doesn't say like. Uh, no, it's not. It's not, not Jones. A, nope. It is. It is the publishers. Whoever designs the. Ow. Book cover. Yeah, that's and it's book cover copy. It's like rear matter. One hundred percent marketing. That is bait and switch marketing. That that is true. It may <laughs> have some similarity to um, Gladiator. Why? Because there's swords. Uh, well, there's swords and competitions and stuff like that. But okay, that, but, but that's mean... really where it stops. Well. Kind of, sort of. You've seen Gladiator, right? I have seen Gladiator. All right. Well, you know the well, a lot of the the big fantasy trope of uh, rural young man family slaughtered by a cruel and uncaring empire starts out on a quest of revenge, and that's pretty much where the similarity to Gladiator ends. Uh, <laughs> And where does even the similarity of Game of Thrones begin? Because 
Now, I've not seen Game of Thrones. I've right. not. I tried to read the the first book, the song Game of, of Thrones, Fire or whatever. Series. Yeah, I tried to read it. I got like five pages in and was like, "This sucks." Right. Um, <laughs> so honestly, I, so I couldn't tell you. Maybe I mean, it was there. There is some kind of political intrigue, but it's not at the forefront enough to uh, to to really warrant the comparison. Uh, most of the interpersonal drama is between casts. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the society like the, of, the, of the chosen, as Winter calls them, uh, are a very hierarchical and, and rigid caste system. Uh, I believe there's like six to eight levels of, of caste. There's actually a chart in the back. There's there's one something else in the, uh, the order. It's, it seems to me, and I did not get the special features, so... That there are two main kinds of of people, yep, uh, nobility and commoners, and then each is split um, according, like into like three or four different levels. Like you have full blooded nobility, mm-hmm. um, lesser nobility, and then you have probably royalty above that, like the queen. Okay, well, and, I happen to have that chart open. Um, so yeah, you have the the entirety of the Omehi people, or the Chosen, as they're called, um, and it is split into two groups: the nobles and the lessers. And within the nobles, you have the queen and the royal family, because this is a matriarchal-dominated society. Right. It's actually a queendom. Yep, they refer to it as a queendom. Uh, below that, you have the royal nobles, so the the second tier. Um, the third tier is the inter- is one of the more interesting ones, the gifted, which are drawn from, can be from any cast. Right. So the, the gifted are a created tier. Mm-hmm. Um, the gifted, of course, are the, uh, the women who can use the magic system. Right. Right. And that's it. It's it's limited. It's a precious commodity, so they get automatic nobility status. Right, and then you have the in Ingo Yama, yeah, Ingo Nyama, uh, which are like to to put it broadly in a in a this equals this sort of way. It's kind of like samurai. Yeah, they're the they're the elite fighting force. Mm-hmm. And then you have they the, are they can be affected by this magic. So what one of the things that the gifted can do is um, just make pump these guys up into like super soldiers, right? Uh, but you have to have that royal blood to be able to do that. You have to be an Indian yeah, yeah. You have to be in the noble noble cast. Uh, then you have your greater nobles and your petty nobles, and it's like a, a feudal type of thing. And below that, you have the Ihashi which are uh, military men from the lesser castes, the greys, they call them, because that's their, their uniform is gray. Then you have high governors, low governors, high harvesters, low harvesters, high common, low common, and the lowest rung is the drudge. Which are failed. So, it, it, um, so it's kind of like Israel <laughs> or Korea, mm. where you have... You, you pretty much once you reach of age, you serve in the military, right? Um, and there's a test to to join, and if you pass the test, 
bam, you're you're bumped to the highest level of of a right. You actually get some training, right? Um, but if you fail, you either you either become a a, a spearman fodder, right, <laughs> or a, a drudge. Just you know, you are you suck so much that you can't do anything but serve, right. And, and it does have that that type of, uh, I mean, the the spearman fodder are, are worse than uh, Ashigaru. Uh, yeah. You know, Ashi, at least Ashigaru got some training. These guys are just like given a pointed stick and told to go stand over there and and just uh, slow these guys down. Um, right. For for you tabletop <laughs> gamers, they're Imperial Guard. If <laughs> you're playing forty k. Uh, <laughs> so that is the society of the chosen and to be frank it's kind of a bleak place it, it is it, it really is this is kind of a a grim dark kind of fantasy <laughs> it's, world it's a shithole uh the 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 entire peninsula the promised land uh for the chosen is a shithole it's this well i don't think that was the promised land I think so that's just where they can get to. Yeah, I think you get a little bit of the background of of these people with this prologue, and from what I can ferret out, that they suck so bad (laughs) that everyone hated them and drove them out of their homeland, and they had to take over another landmass or try to take over another landmass just to survive. That's how bad they suck. And the people who they were trying to to steal the land from hated it, hated them for it, rightly so, and just sent wave after wave after wave of fighters, uh, probably, you know, causing the Chosen to double down on their douchiness and their militarism. Right, right. So, I mean, it really seems like like, these, these people suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, they, they do. The the chosen are, are are are. It's a pretty shitty society to live in, um, and I don't think we're supposed to think anything other than the fact that this is a shitty society to live in, uh, because we are no. brought along through the uh, journey of a young man named Tao Solarin, um, and he shares our opinion. That this is a shitty society. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and because this society sucks so bad, um, you are able to feel sympathy for this character because everything ever is stacked against him. Mm-hmm. So first off, he's a member of this this chosen culture, which everyone in the world hates, but the chosen culture, right? Then you have the fact that he is like the lowest of the well, he's one above lowest of the low because he's not a drudge yet. Yeah, he's low common. He's a lower, low common, born low common. So, you know, he's like dealt half a dealt half a hand anyway, right? If that, right? (laughs) Well, he gets by because his father is a is a um, Ihashi, yes, and that's that's where he gets by. He's kind of a military brat. Right. But it's weird because in the nobility, stuff like that seems to be inherited, right? Mm-hmm. 
for, for the most part. And whereas here, you know, my dad was X. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> You're still low. Right. And, and, and this is further comp, uh, complicated by the fact that the upper class are actually genetically different than the lower class. They are taller, stronger, uh, faster, faster. Yeah. I mean, they, they are physically superior and socially superior and, and they can be turned into super soldiers and they can be turned into fucking, uh, yeah. Super soldiers, uh, you know, magically berserked as it were. Through. Right. Now, one thing that struck me right away is 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 the chosen are the worst example of a Bronze Age army ever, because there is no single mention. None of these genius nobles, right, in their mastery of military strategy, have even conceived of a sling. <laughs> Now, I understand that the wood here on this peninsula is shit, right? So, okay, that, that takes care of bows, spears, you know, right. stuff you like that. throw a rock. But there are fucking rocks everywhere. <laughs> That's all they have. Right. So when They eat the rocks. Cho- when the Chosen started this invasion, they, some of the gifted have the ability to control drag. Mm-hmm. And treaters, they, they are called. Yeah. So, and they basically raised the land doing it. Mm. They, they like just burnt everything just to clear out a patch that <laughs> they can like have a foothold on this peninsula. And uh, nothing ever grew back after that. Right. That's right. Like the, dragon, the dragons are so, like, their power is so great. Mm. They just grew up. <laughs> the land just by sitting there and yeah it's like uh we we get the prologue and the prologue is 120 something years prior to the main events of the book it's the the landing of the chosen on this on this peninsula yeah um and the they're trying to fight they're they're doing their best but the the indigenous population is really you know they're they're like no we we don't want this shit there's there's like you know a hundred to one odds Mm. right for every one chosen there's a hundred of these guys right and the queen in her infinite wisdom decides to go for the nuclear option uh very quickly yeah oh we're overrun i'm gonna get the dragons (laughs) yep um, and the dragon, dragon fire apparently is worse than even in the world's most popular fantasy role-playing game as it just obliterates everything. It, it is truly a nuclear option. Uh, so we have almost this, uh, society that has grown up in this post-apocalyptic, uh, seeming land that, uh, the indigenous people are continuously fighting over and trying to reclaim from who they see as invaders. Right. And rightly so, because they are invaders. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they believe they are, their claim is uh, divinely oriented. Very, a lot of uh, Puritan kind of uh, analogies going on here. Yeah. It, it, 
actually it kind of reminded me a lot of the colonization of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it was meant as a comment, uh, commentary on that mm-hmm. or, uh, or, or just any, you know, yeah, any sort colonialism of colonization. Yeah. In general. But as I live in America, that's kind of what, what, what struck me. Yeah. Yeah, very, very similar to that, uh, you know, uh, westward expansion, you know, divine providence. So, you know, it's a, a lot of Old Testament shit as well. You know, when the when the Jews came into Canaan and started wreaking havoc. Right. Fighting, warring against the Canaanites. We are the yeah. chosen of God. So, yeah, you know, we have so, claimed this land. Yes. That that sort of situation. Now, our our hero, well, protagonist rather. It's really hard to. <laughs> I, I think he's more of an anti-hero, in the sense. He well, you can definitely sympathize where he's coming from mm. uh, as an individual, right? You know, given the the context of the um, of the setting, you can sympathize for him within the chosen itself. I think if you expand a little bit, yeah, I guess the, the lesser, I, I guess they are somewhat victims, but kind of not really. <laughs> yeah. Cause by, by and large, I mean, it's, it's one of those situations where, where, you know, uh, silence is consent and, uh, they back that silence up with uh, legal uh, death penalty ramifications. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, you know, the, even like the lesser are very, you know, pro-chosen. Right. And, and when, when you know, the offering, I don't want to, no spoilers, but mm-hmm. when the offering of peace is uh, on the table at, at one point, no one wants to take it. Right, right first right. no i mean we're at war we're always at war we're the even the people who are shit on right all their lives by the nobles are like no we're the chosen right well, noble common whatever yeah we're the chosen people and, so and you a, know you do your picture do your do your job maintain your place in society and and all will be well right so just in a bigger picture situation i don't have um sympathy for him right it's it's not like it's not like the uh, uh the good kingdom sort of thing you know where it's like oh well you know these these folks weren't half bad why you know let's let's get this back to the status quo um right no let's, let's, in this let's case the this. status quo sucks <laughs> yeah yeah and and really it, you know it's a revenge tale within within that context mm-hmm. this is just the first book right. uh there's another one there's a sequel there's two more that are scheduled to come out so you figure that tau and the society has to grow mm-hmm. from from where they are right right and and we see the inklings of that because even though our our, our man tau has no love for the social order he he still develops this idea coming from a place 
where that social order is more laxly enforced. Right. He's he's kind of from a, a keep in the middle of nowhere, um, and he regularly cavorts with the son of with a, one of the petty nobles, um, you know, who's who's I think is his older brother is uh you know he he likes to do it the city way and and uh his you know tal's friend jabari is more like you know whatever man you know i help you you help me you know it's it's more jabari and tal view seem to view each other more as equals anyway right and you know his his status comes with a responsibility i think jabari believes and you know the other his brother and some of the rest of his family are just like uh this is this is just who we are we are power and it has no responsibility it's just this natural order of things right and i think that's a lot of it is uh the natural order of things and people's belief that you know it is the way it is because that's how it should be we are the chosen right <laughs> came from the gods or right. the god s goddess yes um so our our man tau suffers a tragedy in uh I, I hate to say monomyth fashion because it's not um he just you know he gets ground by the system right he gets ground grounded down by the system and then he decides well i'm gonna use the system to my advantage um and he decides that uh well, there's certain rules that are followed, and that uh, his father ends up getting in a blood duel with uh, a noble uh, because Tao has decided he's had enough. Goddamn these these noble sons of bitches must pay. Uh, <laughs> ends up besting a noble in a practice duel and embarrasses him. Yeah, I I think that. His friendship with Jabari kind of betrays him mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, he can sit around and fight with Jabari and beat him. Right. Right. So and Jabari is OK because, you know, it's like, hey, that's just going to make me because they're buds. Right. Right. But don't do that to like a guy who like is 100 percent committed to the status quo. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It is and, what, what ends up happening. And he, you know, in doing so and defeating this guy, he insults him and Right, right. The lax the lax social standards of the backwoods town uh, really kind of uh, sets Tao on a course of uh, personal ruin. Uh, right. When he encounters, you know, oh, this is how the society actually works. Right. So our man Tao decides that you know originally he didn't want to be in the military. He was gonna he was gonna be an AWOL. He was gonna run away um, with his lady love. But once his father is killed in the duel, he decides that uh, he's gonna play their game. He's gonna become a fighter. He's gonna become the best damn Ihashe anyone has ever seen. He and, doesn't even like make that decision. He just right. wants to get by so he can legally challenge take his revenge right. on the people he feels that have wronged him. Mm -hmm. And it, it isn't until 
he comes face to face with the reality of his situation that yes there there are differences between the lessers and the nobles it's you know it, it's genetic mm-hmm. <laughs> right that he has to uh he has to train harder he has to be the best because if he's not being again anywhere exactly yes um and and he so gets it, it, picked up for a special project within within the chosen military yep and and given his opportunity although he doesn't really express what he wants um you know but he's fed some uh flowery words about you know we're going to try to erase the boundaries we're going to make okay so let's not spoil like the good parts of this right well i mean this this is kind of important we're not going to really get into too much detail but he just becomes part of an elite squad right he's chosen to become part of an elite squad that is um set up to to uh prove a point just yeah, proven point challenge the status quo that maybe doing things differently can produce different results. Right. And, and lesser soldiers can, you know, be more than just frontline cannon fodder. Right. And and it is, you know, this not really much of a spoiler because you know, of course, it's a high fantasy novel. This is our main character. Yes, it turns out to be correct <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> To what extent you'll have to read the book to find out. Yeah, I mean, but he, he like comes to the decision that every shonen uh, protagonist comes to. I must be stronger. Have, I, must... I have to train. Right. <laughs> he he is Naruto. <laughs> he's Naruto. He's Saitama. He actually, he actually is Naruto, basically. <laughs> All he can do is train because there are people who have natural talents who don't have to work as hard as he does. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he definitely does work hard, and uh, he, he makes a, a number of questionable choices regarding his uh, personal take on training. Well, the thing is, like, he is obsessed He's consumed by his his revenge, right? You know that that trope. Best dig two two graves. Yeah, he definitely dug two graves, or is trying to dig two graves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it becomes all encompassing his obsession to get his revenge. Uh, not only does it help push him in training and doing like marginal making marginal decisions in his training but it also um, affects his decision making um, in terms of his squad mm-hmm. and you know and and he usually you know you, you try and balance your personal um, goals with you know the the goals of your squad in the military you know your personality is supposed to be secondary or your ego is supposed to be secondary to you know the good of the group right and he doesn't get that ever (laughs) no no so and and a a lot of the 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 book is propelled by that Mm -hmm. 
So, yeah, I think like 90s Batman. 90s Batman? <laughs> yeah. I can see that. I, I can see that. Um, yeah, so, so overall, it's a good book, but I will say that it doesn't start picking up until like the after the first third of the book. I think the first third is the weakest point. Yeah, I agree. The prologue could everything in the prologue could have been and was more or less introduced in the later parts of the book. Anything significant, uh names, events, uh the the actual having those events read out in front of you mm. didn't add anything to the book. Right, right. Um and I think in a way that detracted from the first few chapters of the book because it's like really a huge, just a, a change in tone, uh, setting and everything. So that once, you know, you, you get into, this is Tao, this is his father, they are practicing. Uh, you, you kind of had put on the brakes Right, right. Uh, on something else. So I, I just think that that prologue really hurt the the beginning of the book as well. Just, yeah, just it, it being there. Yeah, it did kind of uh, drag the uh, early part of the story. Um, cause it, to, it, it did cause it to drag because really once the major part of the action started this book just like scoops you up and takes you along but it's getting to that point uh where the current catches you and drags you off um is is it it can be a little tedious yeah well, well what i'm saying is i think if you just like snipped the prologue got rid of it you it would have been a lot easier to get to the point where of no return in the book where you had to keep on reading right it wouldn't have been as much of a slog from chapter one to what like chapter four right right uh and it's all just because of the prologue just because of what happened just like how it's written the events that take place and none of it matters um specifically and during the the course of the book every all the everything you need to know that happens in the prologue you find out anyway so it's you had hinted at this, and I'm wondering if that's what happened, was this book was originally independently published. Mm-hmm. And then it was picked up by, um, what is it, Tor? Orb, which is uh, probably yeah. part of Tor. Orbe is the publisher. Right. So I, I wonder if um, they were like, yeah, we'll publish your book, but just like write a prologue. So everybody is grounded, blah, blah, blah. They know the background. Uh, possibly, because truthfully, the prologue does read kind of kind of like an afterthought. Like, um, like the battle sequences in the prologue, which the prologue really is an extended battle sequence. Um, yeah. It does not have the same type of tension that the battle sequences later in the book have. 
No, and and the battle. See, the battle sequences in the prologue are there to show you what the gifted do. Right. That's that they're there to show you what the gifted do, and they're they're there to show you the odds that the chosen had to face when first coming to the peninsula. Mm-hmm. That's what it accomplishes, and that's pretty much explained <laughs> later on. As a matter of fact, it's explained better in the story than like the the you know the here's what actually happened. Right. Prologue. So I, I don't know. I think it, it just it seems tacked on and unnecessary. I I, I would tend to agree with that. That uh, it does feel tacked on. It does feel um, unnecessary to the rest of the story. And uh, I, I think you had mentioned when we were doing some pre pre gaming um, that had had this had we not been doing the show, uh, you probably would have tapped out at the prologue. Uh, yeah, I hated that prologue so much. I probably would have not uh, gone on far beyond it. It was just it was it was just really generic. Mm-hmm. You know, like this was. I won't say pitched to me, but it was recommended to me uh, by people I, you know, I admire and whose writing I like. Mm-hmm. So I figured, oh, it's got to be great. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm wondering if the person who who um, had done that had read the independent version of it. Um, I would. Uh... Yes, probably. <laughs> but I don't know because it might. Ha- the I think the cover is a is you know from orbit, right? I don't know. It's hard to tell. And when he had um, said you should read this, I'm pretty sure it had the same cover. Uh, but who knows? Who right. knows exactly? Yes, I, I I would agree that uh, probably the original version without special features or edits or anything like that uh, was was the book that was actually recommended. Yeah, that, I mean that makes sense. You know, not that it's not a bad knowing, book. I... Not knowing that that you know this this part was added, kind of tacked on. Uh, yeah, so. The thing is, though, that it's not a bad book. No. Once you get to the point where you get a plot, right? And really, that's what it is. There's no plot up until uh, Tao's father dies. Right. Once you get that plot, it's a really good book. Mm-hmm. I agree. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, it takes a little while to get there. Um, and unfortunately, you can't just skip. You could skip the prologue. You really could literally skip the prologue, but you can't skip the first four chapters. But I think that if you just read the first four chapters without the prologue, it's a it's different anyway. Yeah. It'd be more interesting because, like, now you're grabbing word, world building instead of having had it, you know, basically handed to you. Right. Right. So here's a question. Okay. 
would you are you going to read the sequel? Um, probably not right away. Um, that's that's another issue that I had is that I really feel that uh, these these uh, big uh, heavy books like this these uh, these massive doorstop fantasy novels should be self-contained if it's going to be 500 pages uh, and not you know ending the way this one particularly ended without right. spoiling it, it. I, that it is definitely it's definitely book one. Um, I mostly agree with you. I think that for a book one of a series, right, mm-hmm. it should be self-contained. Uh, you could have loose ends or whatnot, or you could bring in a surprise for book two. And then once once you're past the first book and you've resolved stuff to a satisfactory, satisfactory level... Mm-hmm. Then you can have, um, you know, cliffhangers and whatever as the, you know, make it a series. Right. But the first book should definitely be contained in and of itself. Right, right, right. And and goddamn, I hate to use this as an example, but the eye of the world (laughs) is a really good example of that. So the Uh first book. I was I was thinking uh, I was time. thinking of a different uh, franchise that you hate, uh, but probably the same idea. <laughs> well, the Eye of the World is self-contained, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, there's a story that it goes from here to here, and it ends. And yes, there's there's still stuff that could be done, but you could put down the Eye of the World and say, "I read the Eye of the World. That's great." And then if you really, really like it, you can go on. And if you didn't, that's fine. But you still read it and you still have that story. Right. But this is definitely, it doesn't end. There's It's open-ended. And yes, that's... It, it definitely ends with... It is annoying. Go out and buy book two. Yeah, it definitely does. So what was the one that you were going to... Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say uh, Star Wars A New Hope. Not a book, yeah, but definitely. Okay. But no, but it's the same thing. Yep. It's the same thing. It ends on a spot it where ends. you don't have to watch any more films. Yep. It ends. Totally agree. So there you Unfortunately, go. Unfortunately, this does not. Right. I'll probably end up reading the next one, though. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> at some point. But, you know, it's like, a, am I in a hurry to do this? Uh, and that's. And that's the issue that I face is that, yeah, it, I don't, I, I wasn't left with a sense of urgency that, you know, it's like, oh, do, do I have enough on my credit card to get the second one? <laughs> I think I would be, I think there would be more of a sense of urgency for me to go out and read it if the third and, and or fourth one was already out mm-hmm. and available, but because they're not. Right. I'm going to get to the end, get to another cliffhanger. Right, right. So it might be something like, okay, well, I'll wait for the whole series. Exactly. And, well, I would say a, an omnibus edition, but yeah, that's not going to happen with this book. No. Well, I might on uh, as an ebook. Right. But no. 
I mean, you can't have what two thousand page book. Ugh. Yeah, you're right. You are definitely right. Maybe the Reader's Digest first, Ooh. where they where they remove the pro. Ah, there we go. Now we're talking. Yeah. So now, would you recommend this? Uh, I would definitely recommend it. Um, yeah, I, I would tend to agree that if I was like doing like a Cliff's Notes or a Reader's Guide or something like that, to uh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, shy away from the prologue for now. And uh, you don't need it, right? Necessary. You literally, literally don't need the prologue. Yeah, for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I would definitely recommend it to uh, fans of fans of fantasy. And and people who like who like a, a fun story. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like fantasy these days tends to come in series. Right. I don't know why, but that's how it's marketed. Um, maybe and you know maybe that just harkens back to you know them splitting up the Lord of the Rings into three books. Uh, maybe. Maybe, but yeah, they they do tend to like like to do fantasy, um, and I really don't know why, but I guess you might be right with Lord of the Rings uh, as a comparison. But you know, I would like to get some self-contained fantasy. Read one book, and you've read the whole thing. Yeah, I think he used to, but even like the the stuff that actually was designed to be one book, they always expand it. Right, right. If it sells well. They, exactly. They, 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 well, I'm, but it's like, you know, Halloween, the movie Halloween, because it's October. And, of course, I watched it. Um, was, you know, supposed to be a standalone movie. And they were going to make it into an anthology series. Right. Right? That was the plan. Scary things that, scary things that happen on Halloween. The first one is a psycho killer. Right. And it did so well that they made a sequel to it. Right. And then tried to end it right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the second movie, spoiler alert, the right. shape Michael Myers is burned in a fiery explosion. And then the third movie is, you know, something else. It's about, you know, uh, ancient druids trying to rid the world of children. Ancient, ancient <laughs> corporate druids. Right. Uh, and that movie tanked. So they went back to, you know, Halloween. Now we have a zillion of them. And it's the same thing. If it sells, you know, they're going to they're going to say, yeah, Mr. Winter, Evan, babe, I know you want to write um, something else, maybe something in space, but people really like Rage of Dragons. They liked it to the cha-ching amount. So I'm going to dump a, a modest amount of money on your front lawn in this backloader. And uh, let's see what you can do about getting us a second and third one, huh? Just how it happens. And, you know, they're writers. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, so guaranteed money is guaranteed money. Right, right. Well, writers like to eat. Yeah, and they like to eat by using their writing to right. do it with, as opposed to 
fixing cars or killing mice. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's right. So, uh, yep. So I'm going to call that two thumbs up. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just skip the prologue. You'll be great. Skip the prologue. Read the rest of the book. Uh, decide for yourself if you want to go for the sequels. Uh, yep. Evan Winter, The Rage of Dragons. And until next we meet, all 